Oh, come on. Good morning, church. You love Jesus. Make some noise if you love Jesus. Come on now. Yeah. I know we've got some people watching online, and so uh, I hope that you weren't driving during that song, Joy to the World, because you were all over the interstate. Was that not awesome? Come on now. My goodness. If you're wondering what the choir is doing now, we have oxygen tanks set up in the back, and they, they are... So if you need oxygen, that was just fantastic. You know, I, I don't mean this in a derogatory uh, sense at all, but, but our, our music program here, our worship department here is just phenomenal. Can we bless them all month long? Come on, yeah, all month long they've worked so hard around this carol series, and it's just, it's just such a blessing. And, uh, and if you didn't feel Jesus during that song, there's something wrong with your fillers. Come on now. It's such a blessing. Hey, let me take a moment. Many of you know this. We're one church in two locations. So we've got our campus right here in South Metro Atlanta area, then 702 miles north of here, just outside of D.C. And how many of you know D.C. needs Jesus? Come on, help me preach for a minute. <laughs> They, they, got a little, they got a little shutdown going on right now, but last time I checked, they're still getting paid. So I'm going to stick to my notes for a minute with the government. But, uh, but we got our Go Church family. Love all of you. And just so thankful that there is a life-giving church in the Northeast. And what God is doing at Go Church is just remarkable, led by a fantastic staff and team and our campus pastor, David Waldrip, uh, who is a son of this house, born and raised right here. As a matter of fact, Pastor David will be with us on vacation for him. Um, see, I'm a nice guy. Give the team vacation. Come on now. So he'll be with us on Sunday, this coming up Sunday. If you haven't had a chance to meet him, I want you to do that. But we bless you, Go Church. Come on, can you let them know you love them? Make some noise for them. Come on. Let them hear you all the way from Atlanta. That's what I'm talking about. And then to all of you watching online, we're just so grateful, thankful for technology, thankful that we can take the message of Jesus, the gospel, which is the good news, literally to the ends of the earth what the disciples could have done if they would have had technology like we have it today. And so we're responsible to steward that well. So what a privilege to come into your home, to come into your job place, to, to come into your vehicle, wherever you're watching from. Uh, we'd love to know. You can uh, check in in the comment section. Tell us what city, state, country you're watching in from, and we'll be, we'll be more than glad to pray for you and to bless you. And then, and then one, uh, one of the uh, things that we always do before I jump into the message, and I think it's appropriate, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, is we just bless our military, all of the men and women. Come on. We th we're thankful for you. As a matter of fact, if you, if you are serving in the military at either campus and you're home for the holidays, welcome home. We're so glad to have you home. We bless you and we thank, we're thankful for you. You know, America is not perfect. And uh, I, I doubt that's a shock to anybody to hear that. Uh, but this is one nation under God. And we, we are a great nation because of the men and women that put their life on the line. And so we're just, we're so thankful for our military. One more time. Can you bless him? Come on. I think it's great. 
You've heard us talk about Christmas Eve and our, our gatherings that's happening on that night, which is tomorrow. Uh, we've been speaking about this for a month now or more, and we've encouraged you to get your tickets, get your tickets. How many of you got show fans, both campuses, you got a ticket? Let me see, you got a ticket. All right, great, because all the tickets are gone. Every ticket is gone. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw tickets being sold on Craigslist. Come on now. That was a joke. Just making sure you know that's a joke. But tickets are gone. We gave, we gave away over 1,500 tickets, and all of them are gone. Come on, I think that's fantastic. So I know what you're thinking. Well, I didn't get a ticket. What do I do? Don't worry. When you show up tomorrow, we've got a stable in the back. Dad, you get it? Stable? Barn? No? Okay, help them out. It's a little dad joke there. You don't have to worry because even if you didn't get a ticket, no one will be rejected. We're turning nobody away. I want to give you a little bit of instruction on our home for Christmas, you know, Christmas Eve gatherings so that, so that when you show up, uh, you're aware of, what, of what's taking place. Uh, because we want to honor those who got a ticket, here's what's going to happen. The doors to this sanctuary, and this is going to take place at both campuses, they're going to open up 20 minutes before the gathering begins. So 20 minutes before the 4 p.m. and 20 minutes before the 5.30 p.m. for ticketed seating. So if you grab the ticket, we want you to come at least 20 minutes before. And when you walk in, you can pick any seat that you want. All right, pick any seat. It's open seating at that point if you have a ticket. Five minutes before the Christmas Eve gathering starts, it'll go to general seating. So if you didn't get a ticket, that's okay. Whatever seats are available, you get those seats. Here in Atlanta, we've got overflow set up that night just in case we need it. And so we're going to accommodate you and your friends and your family. And then at Go Church, they're going to set out extra chairs. They'll, they'll be able to accommodate more people as well. So nobody gets turned away. 20 minutes before each gathering, if you got a ticket, come early for ticketed seating. Grab a seat. And then five minutes before, it'll go to general seating. And we, we pray that we can accommodate everybody. It's going to be an awesome night. Is anybody excited about tomorrow? Come on, I think it's going to be great. You're going to get here. You'll hear worship and we'll do communion. Um, you'll hear a message. You'll be encouraged. And then you can go, go back to your homes or your, your, your parents' house or grandparents' house or in-laws' house. Or maybe you're getting on the road to, to take off for your, for your family uh, trip, wherever you're going, uh, to start those traditions. But I think it's great that we pause and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ because he really is the reason for the season. So I can't wait to see you tomorrow night. It's going to be fantastic. The other thing I want to tell you about before I jump into the message is you heard me speak of this last Sunday for the first time. And then today in the video announcements at both campuses, you heard us talk about what we're calling 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, I, I, I believe in the power of prayer. Anybody with me on that? Come on. And one thing that I need to encourage you with, and, and most of you know this already, but, but it's just two words, and they're simple, but they're profound, and it's this, prayer works. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again, and then if God has ever answered a prayer for you, you ought to give me a better amen. I said prayer works. Come on. <laughs> prayer works. And, and, and a couple of, couple of reasons that, that we want to be intentional and strategic with 21 days of prayer and fasting. I believe that 2019, and you heard this a moment ago, it's going to be a banner year. As a matter of fact, I just believe it's going to be the greatest year that we've ever had for our lives, for our families, for our church. Uh, I, I love, and I don't know if anybody's with me on this, but I love the start of something new, something fresh. We get to make those New Year resolutions, and then by the end of January, we've missed them, but we try, you know? But I love the, the idea of starting new and starting fresh, and what my heart is for all of us moving into a new year, is that we put the discipline of prayer first. First. 
And so that's why, that's why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. We want to we cultivate a culture of prayer. I want this church at both campuses to be known as a house of prayer. I want people to know that if they have needs, we know who has the answer to that need, and his name is Jesus. And, and the Bible says in 2nd Chron- I'm about to preach now. You're not even, I'm not even in my notes yet. Come on. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, seek my face and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I, and this is the promise, I will hear them from heaven and I will heal and bless the land. And so, so we want to pray. And then the idea of fasting, here's just a, a one line on the discipline of fasting. Fasting is all about sacrifice. It's about sacrifice. And sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. So if, if you're willing to give up something you love, like food, anybody, I mean, you know, food or social media or whatever, however the Lord leads you to fast something in the 21 days, I believe that sacrifice to give up something you love for something you love even more, to see unity in your family, to see reconciliation in your marriage, to see healing in your body. God hears us when we pray, and when we pray and we partner that with fasting, supernatural things happen. So last, last thing, uh, every weekday, Monday through fi- Friday, the sanctuary is going to be open 6 a.m. for you to come and to pray. It'll last for about an hour. Uh, there'll be worship. There'll be a short devotion led by one of our pastoral staff members, and then we'll enter into a time of prayer. Don't let fear keep you from participating either. Because what the enemy will want you to, to think is, well, that's only for people who know how to pray. Listen, we're going to learn how to pray together. And prayer, let's not complicate prayer either. Okay, so we'll help you in your prayer conversation to the Lord. We're doing it early in the morning because my mentor told me one time, if you get up before the sun comes up, God will meet you there. So 6 a.m. through the weekdays and on Saturday, we'll let you sleep in a little bit and you can join us for 8 o'clock in the morning, again, one hour. And then Sundays is our regular gathering times. And you know those. So I want you to mark this in your calendar. Tell Siri and your smartphone to remind you, do not miss 21 days of prayer and fasting. Maybe you can't make it every day, but you can commit to Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, or 50% of the days that are there. Uh, just, just try to make it. And when, when you make it and you pray, God does incredible things. And I, I had this thought. It was the great prophet MC Hammer that said these words, you've got to pray. Just to make it today. Come on now, somebody. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. That was better than my other joke. So 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're closing out our series called Carols. Uh, I really, truly pray that you've enjoyed hearing these messages as much as I have, learning and teaching them to you. I've been so, so moved with emotion as we have looked at. Uh, today will be our fourth carol. We've looked at the lyrics of these carols, and then we've allowed them to not only remind us, but to refresh our faith that Christ has entered the world. Not only has he entered the world, but he wants to enter your world. And and it's such a beautiful reminder as we look at these Christmas carols and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Week number one, we talked about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, God being with us. Then we looked at O Holy Night. Uh, Then last week we talked about O Come, All Ye Faithful. If you missed any one of those weeks, jump back online, listen to the podcast, or check out the replay. And I believe the the Lord would encourage you today, though, and you, you just heard it. You just heard it sung a moment ago. We're doing joy to the world. Joy to the world. On the count of three, I want you to say this with me. One, two, three. Joy to the world. Come on, do it with a little bit more, I don't know, joy. You ready? One, two, three. Come on. I love it. Joy to the world. Each week, I've tried to give you a little context behind each carol. Um, I've enjoyed doing the research and homework there, and, and I've learned so much myself. I want to do the same with Joy to the World, give you a little, a little history lesson 
uh, for a moment. Uh, Joy to the World was written by a gentleman by the name of Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts is arguably the most prolific hymn writer in history. I mean, he was a, a gifted writer, and the ability God had given him to, to write hymns or, or carols was, was just phenomenal. As a matter of fact, he wrote a couple other songs that you might be familiar with, like Behold the Glories of the Lamb. Or, or here's one that, that you may really know. I, I remember this growing up in the church, and we would sing this, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's a beautiful song. But he's most famous for Joy to the World. And we know him to be the author of it. And every year, we sing this Christmas carol. Uh, as a matter of fact, pardon the grammar, but it ain't Christmas if you ain't singing joy to the world, you know? I mean, you walk into department stores, you get on an elevator, you turn on your radio, and, and you hear joy to the world. Now, today, 2018, a few weeks removed from 2019, Isaac Watts is recognized for his incredible ability to write songs. Uh, he's appreciated. He's acknowledged because of the giftedness that he has, but, but in his lifetime, he wasn't appreciated. As a matter of fact, many people considered Isaac Watts to be a disturbance to the status quo. He was an interruption to the church. They, they didn't like that this guy came in and tried to, uh, how do you say it, like buck the system of traditional worship. And many people in, in Watts's lifetime said that he was a heretic because of the lyrics that he wrote. Now, now, we need to set the record straight if there's any debate. Isaac Watts was no heretic. He was, however, revolutionary. I mean, the way that God used him to bring worship to life was just incredible. So you need to know that, that Watts grew up in an era where there wasn't much church music. As a matter of fact, the majority of their church music was simply psalms, psalms where they would take different psalms and they would put some music behind it. Or they would take just a small portion of scripture and try to throw some undertones behind it in order to create this worship experience. And for Isaac Watts, he felt like that worship style was very monotonous. When he would enter into a, a worship service, he would survey the, the congregation of people, those in attendance, and he noticed the lack of emotion that was on their face and coming from their heart. He recognized that they're singing songs from their lips, but they lack true, genuine joy. As a matter of fact, he famously said these words. It's about a paragraph long. You can write as fast as you can, or maybe you want to take a, a picture of the screen so you have it for reference later. Look, looking at the congregation of people, listening to them sing these psalms or sing out portions of Scripture, Isaac Watts said these words. He said, to see the dull indifference... The negligent and thoughtless air that sits upon the faces of, of a whole assembly. While, while the psalm is upon their lips, it might even tempt a charitable observer to suspect the fervency of their inward religion. Think about that. He came, he came into the house of God and he noticed that there is no joy. So he's having this conversation with his father. Dad, to see the dull indifference, the, the negligent and thoughtless air that's upon their face of, of the whole church. Come on, Dad, the psalm is upon their lips, but their heart, their heart's not in it. So his dad, in response, said these words to him. He said, son, if you have a problem with the songs we sing, maybe you should do something about it. 
And that response set Isaac Watts on a journey that changed the trajectory of his life and even ours today. See, that moment that Watts was challenged by his father put Watts on a lifelong pursuit to write songs that exalted the name of Jesus Christ and then refreshed the faith of Christians to know that our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And we can see that evidence in his desire to write the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. So one day in his study, Isaac Watts was meditating on the book of Psalms. He came to the 98th chapter, and when he read verse number 4, it gripped him. It arrested his heart. Here's what the Bible says. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise. See, that, that's what we do every time we come together in worship. Break out in praise and sing for what? Come on, try it again. Sing for? And that's what he desired to do. He said, I'm going to write songs. I'm going to write lyrics that exalts the name of Jesus and reminds us that our hope is in Christ. And little did he know that this song, Joy to the World, would, would have worldwide fame. And all of these years later, here we go. In just about every nation, tribe, and tongue around the globe, people sing joy to the world, the Lord has come. Isn't this interesting? I know some of you are already asleep, so I'm going to try to help you out real quick. Um, let me give you a little bit more context, and, and then we'll move on. I, I didn't know this, if I'm being honest with you, and, and I mean that. I'm not trying to pretend to be smarter than I really am. But in, in my study and in preparation of this message, I, I, I learned that Although this song, Joy to the World, is primarily sung at Christmas time, it's not even about the incarnation. Joy to the World is not about the birth of Jesus. I, I didn't know that. Maybe you did, but, but I didn't know that. I mean, when I looked at the lyrics and kind of talked them out loud, it, it made more sense to me. But, but it's, not even, it's not even about his birth. It's about his second coming. It's about the return of of Jesus Christ more so than the birth of a Savior, the birth of a Messiah. Let me show you three reasons why this song is more about the second coming than the birth of Jesus. Here's the first reason. Write it down if you're taking notes. It's because this song speaks about the whole earth receiving her king. Uh, here, here's, the, here's the lyrics of the song. Watch it. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. But, but that's not what happened when Christ entered the world. When God took on the form of humanity and he came to this earth, not everybody received him as king. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 53, verse number 3 says it like this. He was despised. He, he was rejected. He was a, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was what? Despised. And, and we esteemed him not. See, when Jesus came to this earth, the earth, the people, they did not receive her king. But here's some good news. And I want you to know that there always is good news because Jesus is the good news. It ain't always going to stay that way. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says it like this. God has highly exalted him, meaning Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Come on, that'll preach by itself right there. He's the name that is above all names. Watch verse number 10. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow 
And every tongue will confess on heaven and on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There, there is a day coming, and it, it's sooner now than it's ever been, where both heaven and nature will sing out and receive him as king. Come on, can you say amen right there? Amen. Watch this. The second reason that this song is more about the return of Christ than it is about the incarnation is this. Because the song speaks about sins and sorrows being no more. No, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Now think about this for a moment. If you have lived on planet earth for about, I don't know, two minutes, you know that this is not our current reality. We do not live in a world that is not filled with sin. We do not live in a world that is not filled with, with sorrow. It's not void of sorrow. There, there is pain. There is devastation. There, there is tragedy. There is addiction. There, 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 there is sin. Uh, Jesus, Jesus actually, he talked about this in Mark 13, 8. He foretold what was yet to come after his death when he said this. He said, for, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom will be against kingdom. Have you watched the news? Uh, it doesn't matter what your news outlet is. We're seeing across the globe nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. Jesus said, hey, there's going to be earthquakes. Hello? There's going to be famines. Now, that's hard for us to really connect to because we're spoiled as Americans. But all, all around the world, people are desperate for water and for food. And Jesus says, but look, these are just the beginning of the birth pains. Do you see that? So this song, this song, because it speaks more about sins and sorrows being no more, it has to lean towards his return than his incarnation. Here, here's a third reason. Watch this. This song speaks about how the nations will take an active role in revealing the glory of God. He rules the world with truth and grace. And here's the line. And makes the nations prove. Well, what are the nations going to prove? They're going to prove the glorious riches. They're going to prove his wondrous love. But, but if you look at our world now, nations are not proclaiming his glorious you know, riches or righteousness. As a matter of fact, most nations are in an attempt to defame the name of God, to, to take God out of something. And, and let me just say this really quick, and if this gets back to Washington, D.C., I'll be fine with that too. But if America is not careful and we continue to remove God from our schools and from our courtrooms, I wish somebody would help me preach real quick. We will be in a position where we will no longer be one nation under God. But if we want the favor of God and the mercy of God and the prosperity of God to be upon this land, then we must, we must prove that there is only one God. Come on, somebody. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and, and may America... Never forget this. And every other nation, never forget this. We are all under God's sovereignty. It is God who gives authority, and it is God who takes authority. And listen to me. We can try to defame the name of God all we want to, but he will not share his glory with another. Come on now. He is jealous for his name. And one day, every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord, and there's coming a day where he will rule the world. 
with truth and with grace. And I'm telling you, every nation will prove it. Everybody good? Okay, uh, do this to your neighbor. Come on, elbow him. Tell him, say, wake up, wake up. Help him out. So it leads me to this thought. So if this song <laughs> is more about Christ's second coming, then why do we sing it at Christmas? As some of you are deleting it from your iTunes playlist right now. Like, well, this ain't a Christmas carol. Why, why would we sing this at Christmas if it's more about his second coming? And I'll tell you why. And, and if, you have, if, I, if I have lost you through the history lesson, I don't want you to miss this. And I'm genuine with that. It won't be on the TV, but I want you to either write it in your journal or put it on, on the, the, the notepad of your heart. We don't get a second coming without the first coming. Oh, come on, help me out. I said we don't get a second coming. Without a first coming. See, think about this. Christmas isn't just about looking back at what was accomplished at the manger. That's fantastic. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God literally took on the form of humanity to come into this world because we needed a rescuer. We needed a savior. And there's great victory at the manger. But that's not the only thing Christmas is about. Christmas is also about a time where we can look forward to the victory that will be accomplished when he returns. And you've got to know this. And it's in, it's in your Bible right here. Come on. There is coming a day when the clouds will part. Come on now. And Jesus will come back. It is the only prophecy yet to be fulfilled. And I'm telling you, it is inevitable. Jesus is coming and preachers for generations just like myself we've been trying to warn the people get ready get ready get ready because in a moment in the twinkling of an eye I'm telling you he could come home he could come back and he'll call us up into the air don't don't miss that moment when you think about Christmas as much as we love gifts come on now as much as we love them it's not about the gifts and it's not about just looking back but it's about looking forward because there is great victory when we look ahead to know that Jesus is coming back I wish I had a few hundred people that would help me preach come on come on come on and think about this all of that to get us to here so what do we do in the in-between because we're living in the in-between. We're living in between the, the first coming and the second coming. And when you woke up this morning, you, you were a part of the, the in-betweeners. Uh, many of you, you probably have a relationship with the Lord, and, and others of you, you, you may not. But regardless, we're, we're living in between times. We're living in between as we wait for the return of the Lord, or we wait for God to call us home. And so, so what do we do in the in-between? I think that we can go back to the lyrics of this hymn, of this, of this carol, and understand this. And I, I want you to think about this. In between, we must live our lives in joy. In joy. Man, have you ever encountered somebody that's just miserable? Don't, don't you know that negativity is so contagious? It doesn't take long to hang around somebody that's miserable in their own life to make you miserable in your life. As a matter of fact, you need to be careful who you run with in 2019. It's not, not in my notes, but I think it's appropriate to say because negativity breeds negativity. And if you hang around with people that are always like, oh, man, life's hard. Yeah, life's hard. But greater is he on the inside of me than he that's in the world. Well, how's life? I don't know. Everywhere I turn, doom and gloom. Yeah, but no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It will not work. 
Y'all ain't awake yet. I'm going to get you there. Watch this, though. And, and, and write this thought down. I want you to write this thought down. We will never be able to fully enjoy our life until we are first living in joy. You, ne you never get to enjoy the life that God has given you until you are first experiencing what living in joy really means. And living in joy is in right standing with God. It breaks my heart to know how many of us, we miss special moments in our life because we're miserable and we just want to enjoy life. And if you want to enjoy life, then you have to live in joy. And once you live in joy, then you get to enjoy. Come on, somebody. It starts with living in joy. Proverbs 17, 22 says it better than I can say it. A what kind of heart? A joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine. And can I tell you, this is what our nation needs. We need joy. This is what our country needs. We need joy. This is what people shopping at Walmart need. They need joy. God, let's pray for them, Lord. Because you, you know the people out there shopping right now. Crazy, man, fighting over what, a TV? Have you seen some of the videos of the Black Friday shopping stuff that's going on where people are getting in fist fights? It ain't worth it. Because, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the TV isn't what makes us happy. No, it's understanding that we live in joy. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. And this is my prayer when the Lord directed me to Proverbs 17, 22 this week. I really just begin to pray for you. That, that, that God would replace your crushed spirit. That, that God would replace your, your anxious mind. That God would replace your depression. That God would replace your suicidal thoughts with a joyful heart. That God would remove the fear and the anxiety and the uncertainty about tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know who's there. And his name is Jesus. And he's for us and he's not against us. And he says, look, I, I want to take... I want to take on December 23rd, Christmas Eve, Eve, I want to take your crushed spirit, your dried up bones that have no life, and I want to breathe life into you so that you can live in joy, and then you get to enjoy the fruit of living in relationship with Christ. Yeah. Now listen, I, I know that some of us were really going through it, but we've, we've got a good life. Yeah. We're blessed. Yeah. Beyond measure, God has been so good to us. Don't let the enemy steal that from you. So it's, a, it's a, a good medicine that the, Lord, that the Lord can give us. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about joy. All right, so I'm going to give you a few different things about joy uh, because this is what we need to do as we live in the in-between. We've got to operate in joy. You've got to stay, stay in joy. So the first thought is this. Joy is different than happiness. Joy is different than happiness. And you need to know that it's different because if you think that joy and happiness are synonymous uh, the next time you're not happy, you'll be angry at God for letting you down. And that's not fair. Because joy is different than happiness. You've heard people say this, I just want to be happy. I, I just want to be happy. What do you want? I, I just want to be happy. Listen, happiness should not be our main objective in life. Because happiness is based on what is happening. So, so when things are happening good, then you're happy. But when things are happening bad, now I'm not happy. This is the very reason, and maybe this can connect with, with, with most of the sports fans in the room or online. Watch this. This is why when your favorite football team wins, you feel happy. Oh, they won. Yes. Go team. As Falcons fans, you don't know that feeling much this year, and I get that. <laughs> My team's not any better. 
So, so if we live in, in happiness, when the team wins, hey, we're happy, everything's great. When they lose, it'll ruin our week in a bad mood. I can't tell you, I, before the Lord delivered me from that, and that's a true story, I can't tell you how many times my wife prayed for my team to win, not because she gave two flying flips about the team, but she didn't want me in a bad mood. Because I put my happiness in a pigskin. Listen, finally it hit me one day. I ain't got nothing to do with that team. They don't call me asking for advice, and if they did, I could help them. I'm telling you right now. It blows my mind. We pay you millions of dollars. You can't catch a football. It's therapeutic. It's why, it's why when you get, and I'm not just, you know, saying that only ladies shop, but ladies, when you go shopping and you get a really good Christmas deal, you're like, oh, my God. It's BOGO. Buy one, get one free. Kimberly, all Christmas season long, you know what she's been saying to me? I have saved so much money. And so I just said, you know, baby, when you spend it, you ain't saving it. So we're in counseling. It's going well. Thank you for your prayers. That's why when you get a Christmas gift, right, you get a Christmas gift on, on sale or it's on deal. You're like, man, I feel so happy. And then when Amazon doesn't deliver it until after Christmas, you're angry. Because we put our happiness on what is happening. And, and so joy and happiness, they're, they're just not the same things. Write this thought down. I'll keep moving. We are happy when circumstances go the way we want them to go. But joy is being content regardless of the circumstances. Why? And here's the biggest difference. Because joy is not dependent upon what you see. Oh, my goodness. I wish you'd help me out. Joy has nothing to do with your circumstances. Joy is a state of being. It's an understanding that in order to enjoy my life, I have to live in joy. And joy is not the same as happiness. Uh, let me prove it to you. Um, in, in the New Testament, there, there's a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. You're, 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 I'm sure many of you are familiar with him. He wrote you know, the majority of the New Testament. And, and in one particular book, in the book of Philippians, um, there's only four chapters in the whole book. You could read it before Christmas, and, and you should, because it's one of the most positive books of the Bible. And what's so interesting is that Paul, in just four chapters, uses the word joy 16 times. 16 times he uses the word joy. Now, why would I bring that up? Because it's interesting to me that Paul could have written the most, one of the most positive books of the whole Bible using the word joy over 16 times if you knew his circumstances. Paul, Paul is in prison. He, he's not only in prison, but, but he's chained to a, a Protarian guard. They've got him shackled hands and feet. As a matter of fact, he's awaiting his trial, and at the trial, the outcome is the possibility of the death sentence. And yet Paul takes out pen and paper, and he begins to write the most positive book in the Bible in spite of his circumstances. Why? How did he do it? Because he knew that happiness was just an emotion. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is like a roller coaster. You got ups, downs, twists, and turns. He knew there will be good days and there will be tough days. But then he also recognized that joy is a state of being. And this is what he said. He said, I have learned. Uh, let me pause right there. And I know you can read ahead. But watch this. I have learned. Do you know what that tells me? He's been through some stuff. Anybody gone through some stuff? Come on. He's saying, I've, I've learned. I've seen good days. I've seen bad days, but I have learned to be content whatever. Somebody say whatever. 
He's saying no, no matter the circumstances. I, I, I see this bold arrogance. He says, you think you can take my joy by putting me in this jail and putting me on trial? He says, you think you can take my joy by killing me? Hey, come on. No, no, no. He says, no matter what I go through, no matter what I walk through, even, even if there, and you know this because you've been there and so have I, there are days that you feel on top of the mountain, and then the very next day that same mountain is on top of you. Anybody ever been there? Come on now. And he says, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I see in the natural, I have learned to be content. And I want you to see this because that word content is not about settling. This, this does not mean that you have to settle. Well, I guess it's the way it always be. It'll never, never get any better than this. No, 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 no. He's not saying you settle. As a matter of fact, this word content or contentment in the Hebrew literally means to be pleased. That when all hell is against me, man, and when it rains, it pours. When it rains, it pours. He says, I've learned to be pleased. Because he knows the difference is, is, is drastic between happiness and joy. And I said this a moment ago, but let me repeat it. And if you miss are misled on the difference, the next time you're not happy, then you get angry at God. Let that sink in for a moment. Because if I said anything that's true, that statement is. I'm not happy, so how could you do this? Are you out to get me? And the Lord says, listen, you need to hear this. God cares more about your holiness than he does your happiness. He cares more about you being mature and growing in the faith than you getting everything that you want. He's a good God, and he is for us. He's not against us, but he says that we have to live in joy. i got to move on because my time's running out. The second thing is this. Joy is a fruit. No, no, it's not a fruit like grapes and apples. It's a spiritual fruit. Here's what it means in Galatians. Everybody wrote this down? Here's what it means in Galatians 5. These are the fruits of the Spirit. I've shared this with you before, um, but it gives me a little bit more content here. Uh, every night when we get ready for bed, we get our family together, and we, we pray. And we always pray the fruits of the Spirit. Every night. So my 8-year-old son, my 3-year-old little girl, they, they can quote the fruits of the Spirit. And then I drop them off at school, and before they get out of the car, I'll ask them, what fruit of the Spirit are you working on today? Wh which one are you focused on today? Now, some days it's easy for me to tell them which one because of the previous day's behavior. Come on, somebody. <laughs> which one are you working on? And it says this, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. And this is, this is the one that we all need to work on right now. Just say no to pecan pie, baby. Come on. I know, I know she said, I ain't saying no to that. God ain't in that. Self-control. Love, joy, not happiness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love the last line. There is no law that says you can't love. There is no law. There is no written law. You are not going to be arrested for living in joy. Nobody can tell you that you can't operate in peace or have self-control. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, and self-control. And watch this. Against such things, there, there is no law. So what's holding you back? I've told you this. My, my brother's a strawberry farmer, and I love telling people that because they never really believe me. I just 
traded in my cowboy hat for skinny jeans. Come on now. And, uh, and, and I am quite biased of his strawberries. I mean, he grows the most delicious strawberries. I mean, these things are abnormal, abnormal in size. Um, and, and I know that some of you will think this is heresy, but you don't even need sugar. They're so sweet. That there's a joke that he waters them with sugar water. Come on now. I mean, they're, they're fantastic. And I, I, don't, I don't know much about farming. You know, as a matter of fact, we got a little plant beside our, you know, kitchen sink that's dying. So, you know, I'm not really the one to tell you how to farm. But one thing I do know about strawberries is this, is that when a storm shows up, they don't cease growing. So, so when a storm shows up, they don't say to the other strawberries, hey, let's not grow right now because there's a storm. No, what strawberries do is when the storm comes, they sit back and they say, there's a benefit from the rain that's from the storm. And the same is true for believers. Just because the storm shows up, and guess what? The storm will come. None of us are exempt from storms of life. None of us are exempt from trials and challenges and difficulties. But watch this. Joy is a fruit, and the storm can help produce the fruit of joy so that it can be on display for the whole world to see. This way, when unbelievers see you walk through a situation that they can't wrap their mind around, how you're waking up in the morning and putting one foot in front of the other, and yet you operate in joy? Yeah, because, because I, I am in Christ, and I can enjoy my life because I'm living in joy, and joy is a fruit, and the fruit of joy doesn't stop growing just because of rain. No, let it rain. Let it rain, because I know with every drop of rain that comes from every storm, God will grow me if I let it. Is anybody enjoying today? Come on now. All right, watch this, number three. Joy is a choice. It's a choice. I'm almost done. i got a few minutes left, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use every minute. Watch this. Joy is a choice. You get to choose how joyful you want to be. And you, you know what else I've learned? And this is from my own, my own life. No one can steal your joy. But you sure can give it away. You get to choose. You know, I, I wish I could say I bat a thousand every day, but that would just, that would be, that'd be a lie. But I try my best on as many days as, as I can to say, God, I, I want to live a joyful life today. I want to be in a good mood today. I, I don't want to be upset and stressed out and angry. Come on. Like, I want to enjoy today. I'm not trying to pull on your heartstrings. I'm just being honest, but you never get today back. You never get to do this moment over again. We get right now. So, so why, why do I want to be in a bad mood and miss the now? We went to a family Christmas thing yesterday, and we loved it. It was actually the first time in five years that we got to be with Kimberly's family on her mom's side for Christmas because we lived in Maryland for all these years, and the schedule just never worked out for us to come home. And so, um, you know, like, like most families, I mean, my, my kids are spoiled at Christmas time. They, they really don't need anything. Um, it's me who needs something, so if you're looking to... No, I'm just kidding. So, you know, they, they spoiled uh, Lakeland in London, and uh, we got back to the house, and I was unloading the van, and, and my little girl just kept saying, Daddy, will you play with me? Will you play with me? Can you play with me? I was like, hold on, baby, hold on. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Will you play with me, Dad? She got a new little, a new little shopping cart with some groceries. Remember those days when life was just simple? 
she's pushing the shop. Daddy, will you play me? Yeah, baby, I got, you know, and then, and then I started helping to make dinner. And then I sat down and she said, Dad, I've asked you to play with me. <laughs> and just in that moment, I just felt overwhelmed because we get so busy that we don't slow down. And in that moment, I could choose. I could choose. Stop doing what I'm doing, get on my hands and knees, and enjoy the moment that I'll never get back. Or be selfish and justify it as, well, this needs to get done. Every day, you're faced with choices just like that. When the coworker gets on your nerves, am I preaching now or what? Come on, when the boss is a little bit irritable. You know, I, I've told my staff in the past, if I ever walk in and you see me in a bad mood, why don't you just stop and pray for me because I'm under a lot of pressure. So, so maybe, maybe your boss is that kind of person. So instead of being aggravated, don't let them steal your joy. And don't give it away. Just pray. Because you get to live in joy. Joy is a choice. You wake up. And listen, you wake up, the sun's shining. Or even if it's raining, you're alive. And if you're alive today, that means that God's got a plan for you. Oh, watch this. First uh, Thessalonians 5 says it like this. I, I love this one so much. It says rejoice always this I'm not trying to take you to, to school I'm just trying to encourage myself as I encourage you this prefix re means repetitive it means to do something on repeat over and over and over and over and over again so, so it's repetitive so what and I want you to hear me so you can never rejoice until you first live in joy. Then once you experience joy, then every day you wake up, you get to do it all over again. You get to rejoice always. Rejoice always means this. It means living in never-ending, everlasting, can't be interrupted, continuous, permanent, perpetual joy. Always. What, this word right here, no, no matter what, no matter what, the doctor gives you a bad report, I'm going to rejoice always. The business is tanked. I can't imagine, but I'm going to rejoice always. The spouse walks out on you. That's horrible. But you know what? I'm going to rejoice always. I could stop right there and that'd be good preaching, but I want to show you what the rest of the, the few verses say. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. And then watch this. Have you ever asked God, what's your will for my life? I think he just told you. Here's what he says. Let me put it to you like this. He says, hey, while you're living in the in-between, I, I came once and I'm coming again. Here's some things I need you to do as you live in the in-between. Rejoice always. Because people are watching to see how you respond to life situations when you claim to be a Christian. He says, I want you to pray, and don't stop praying, because that, that is a direct line to heaven. He says, and then I just want you to give thanks. I want you to give thanks, because he is good, and he's worth it all. Come on, that's a great place to pause and to give thanks right there. Come on. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's possible for you to live in joy no matter what you're going through. Let, let's go back to the book of Philippians. I showed you verse 11 a moment ago. Real quick, let me show you verses 12 and 13. This is Paul again, and he says, I, I know what it's like to be in need. And he says, and I, I know what it's like to have plenty. <laughs> Some of us have been there. 
where we've had nothing and then we've had abundant. He says, I, here it is again. He says, I'm a student. So, so I have learned the secret of being content. I've learned, here's the Hebrew word, I've learned the secret of being pleased in any and every situation. Whether I am well fed or, or even if I'm hungry. Whether I'm living in plenty and the stock market is booming or I live in poverty and I'm in want. And then watch verse 13 and then I'll, I'll close it. He says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't want you to miss this because I think a lot of times we pause on I can do all things. You can't do all things. I can't do all things. But in Christ, come on church, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It leads me to the fourth one. Joy is our strength. Let me tell you, it, it is joy that'll help you get up in the morning. It is joy that'll help you face the challenges of your marriage. It is joy that will help you figure out how to balance a budget. It's joy that will help you raise your children. It's joy. Joy is our strength. I wish I had more time, I'm done. Let's show you this. Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter eight, uh, they've just gone through 52 days of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. 52 days of intense attacks, spiritual and physical opposition and warfare, fatigue, exhaustion. I mean, it, it was just overwhelming as they rebuilt the, the walls of Jerusalem. And, 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 and at the completion of the, the rebuilding of the walls, he gathers the people together. And now they're, they're hearing the word of the Lord for the first time in a while. And, and as he's preaching, the people are feeling these emotions, regret, uh, resentment, and uh, judgment. And so Nehemiah, this, this is what he says. Let's go to the TV. He says this as he's talking to the people. They're feeling regret. They're, they're feeling this resentment. They're feeling this remorse. They're feeling this condemnation. And he says, no, 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 no. He says, no, I don't want you to feel that way. He says, look, here's what I want you to do. It's been 52 days of hard work. It seems like our back has been against the wall. I know you felt like we tried to put one foot in front of the other. We took two steps back. He says, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to enjoy some choice food, and I want you to have some sweet drinks. Sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? And this is Kool-Aid, by the way. I looked it up in the Greek. It's Kool-Aid. He says, and then I want you to send some to those who have nothing prepared. And then he says this, this day is holy to our Lord. Don't grieve. Don't grieve. Don't grieve to the widowed man or woman who lost your spouse to death or disease. I watched my mom for 12 years wrestle with grieving. I heard in the middle of the night her crying out, weeping. Those of you dealing with divorce, tell, I mean, do not grieve. I wake up every day and I live, I live in grief. And I think the words of Nehemiah are so true today. Don't grieve. How? Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. He is your strength. And maybe, maybe for some of you, it's not, it's not been 52 days. It's been 52 weeks. And this year has been hell. 
And it seems like just you're just ready to get out of this year and into a new one. Maybe you haven't been in church and this is the first Sunday that you made the decision to come. I'm glad you're here. You don't need to feel uh, remorse, rejection, or condemnation. No, no, no. Just know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And God today, He wants to feel those emotions. What emotions? The emotions of bitterness, hatred, anger, whatever that is you're feeling towards a spouse who walked out on you, towards a parent that abandoned you, towards a boss that fired you, toward you fill in the blank, those emotions. And he says, I want to take that and I want to give you joy because you're giving your joy away. Hold on to it. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When my dad died from a heart attack, I didn't know how we were going to make it. But I'm telling you, there was just just a joy it's weird it was weird through the pain and the heartache and the disappointment you know and and there were years that I just tried to just be happy I want to be happy and so I stayed angry at God but the moment that I said God you know what I'm just tired of going through these this emotional roller coaster I want to begin you he put joy on the inside of me does it mean I don't miss my father no I do miss him Absolutely, but you know what I do know? Because I have joy that this world is not our home. I I am not taking residence up on earth forever. There's coming a day where I'll be in heaven. And I pray that you, you are too. And there's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no heartache. But as we live in the in between, you get to choose. You get to choose. What's 2019 gonna be like for you? I pray you choose joy. Father, I pray for this message. I I always wrestle at the end because I feel like there's more that I could say to bring this thing home. And then I wonder, did I say too much? Did I not say enough? But my prayer right now in this moment is that the delivery of this message could be felt from the heart of the messenger. That your people would know that they can choose to live in joy. That there's this difference between joy and happiness. That they have, they have the, the ability to make that decision today. And, and I just pray for every person that's really hurting in their heart. Would you replace that this Christmas with joy? With joy? Come on, Jesus. Uh, you, you don't have to stand, but if you're sitting on a row with your family, could you grab them by the hand for just a moment? And maybe you're here today and and you, you didn't bring family with you. Maybe your family lives elsewhere. You're, you're not alone either. I want you to grab hands or put your arm around the person closest next to you because you're not by yourself. Not at this church. That's not who we are. We're a family. And you got family here. I just want you to take a moment. And I want the Holy Spirit just to minister to your family. Because the enemy wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy that mother-daughter, father-son relationship. But you can can have joy right now. As a matter of fact, through the authority that you give me according to the word of God and the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, I speak joy. I command joy into every household. I pray that when your people 
get back into their vehicles and they make their way home, that when they walk in through the threshold of their household, they walk into a house filled with joy, abundant, overflowing, never-ending, on-repeat joy, where there's repentance and apologies that are shared and healing and reconciliation that takes place. And then for the person that's grieving because of loss through death or divorce, would you replace that pain with your joy? And may we lean on you because the joy of the Lord is our strength.